Welcome back to I'd Rather Be at the Beach, brought to you by me. I'm Simon and I run the Bonjour Agency. Now, if you work in an independent school, then this is the podcast for you because we don't talk about work, but we do talk to people who work in the independent school sector. And today we have Irfan Latif, principal of DLD College in London. You probably know who he is. I don't want to embarrass the guy, but whenever anything is happening in the world of independent schools, Irfan is probably involved in it, at least to some level. He's a nomination for the Tatler Best Head of a Public School Award, along with, I must say, some fairly stiff competition. But more importantly, Irfan, I think you'll agree, is just one of the nicest people who works in the independent school sector. So I was delighted when we got a date in the diary to record this. It's fun, it's informal, it's Irfan Latif. Irfan, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you doing today? Yes, great thing. Thank you very much, Simon, for for having me on this podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, it's good to talk to you. Uh, Tell me a little bit about DLD. Here we are recording on a Friday. What does DLD usually look like on a Friday afternoon? Friday afternoon, uh, the upper school have got their game sessions. They're all out now playing football uh, and netball and all of that, which is great. Uh, We've still got the kids beavering away, uh, working away right up until uh, till four o'clock till school ends. And then this afternoon, between four and five, we've got some uh, staff leadership uh, opportunities. So we're doing some inset with them. Uh, and then five o'clock, it's uh, off for the weekend. But of course, our boarding starts then. Uh, and so our boarding teams will get in place for all the activities that are in place for the kids over the weekend. So should be good fun. Now, when you mention about boarding and we're talking about you being the principal of an independent school, I, I think a lot of people might picture in their mind uh, a fairly traditional old style building out in the countryside. DLD is very much not like that, isn't it? That's correct, Simon. We are not like your typical Harry Potter uh, school. Uh, we don't have those uh, spires and things like that. Uh, we look very much like the Guggenheim in, uh, in New York and uh, we are a very circular building. And I think that's a metaphor for our sort of wraparound care, if you like, uh, with regards to boarding. And it's uh, very unique in terms of what we can offer. You know, we have uh, a school right in the heart uh, of London, right opposite Westminster and the Houses of Parliament on the banks uh, of the River Thames and all the opportunities that London can afford. Yes, these countryside boarding schools offer uh, anchorages of space. Uh, which we don't have. Uh, we have a little play space here at the back where we have our wellbeing garden, our El Fresco dining, and a you know, sort of basketball netball uh, court for the uh, boys and girls to use. Uh, but what we do have is London. And like many London schools, we really do um, use London as our classroom and try and exploit as much as we can so that the students can get the best experience possible. Well, I think those people who are listening to this right now who know and understand DLD will will be very familiar with all of those things you were just talking about. For anyone listening who doesn't know, I'd, I'd encourage them just to go and check out DLD uh, online, to go and look at your website, go and look at some of the images and some some of the pictures as well that I've seen you put on, on LinkedIn, which are, which are always interesting to see. Erfan, just let's jump back in time a little bit. Why are you working in education? How did you get into this in the first place? <laughs> Uh, I was an old boy at Emmanuel uh, and uh, I was really inspired by my teachers, especially my chemistry teacher. Uh, and that spurred me on to go and uh, study chemistry at university just down the road from here at, at King's. Uh, and after doing that, I took a year out, went traveling as you do, backpacking around Thailand, went to America, crossed the US, uh, then came back and thought, what should I do? I didn't have any money, but universities were giving out um, grants to do teaching. And I thought, you know what? That really interests me. And I thought, right, I'll I'll do that. And um, took the grant, which was great. But then I just absolutely fell in love with teaching. It was just uh, the best thing I for me. And it was 
the dream job for me. So I started my career at Haberdashers and up in North London. Uh, and then from there, I moved to Whitgift, uh, where I became senior housemaster. From there, I went to St. Benedict's, where I went down the academic route and became head of science and then director of science, which had oversight of the prep school as well. Uh, and then from there, I went on to become deputy head at uh, Bedford School, deputy head academic in particular. Uh, that was really interesting. Uh, that was my first taste of boarding. Uh, and I absolutely fell in love with boarding after that. After Bedford, I went to Sexy's straight boarding school down in Somerset. Uh, and then I came up to here, DLD, another boarding school in the heart of London. So I've had uh, the opportunity to work in a variety of establishments, single sex, co-ed, uh, boarding, day, uh, religious, secular. And that has really informed me in terms of what does education look like in the 21st century. So it's interesting there, lots of variety within the independent school sector. But I, I can't help but wonder when, when I hear that people have spent their entire career up until now working in one particular sector, such as the independent schools, whether or not they ever feel partially sort of trapped within that world. You know, because a, a bit like being a doctor or a lawyer or anything else like that, if you've been trained up and you spent your entire career doing one particular thing or, or working in one particular sector of the of the world economy, then do you ever feel like you couldn't really go and, you know, retrain to become something else? I think teaching, leadership, headship, uh, whatever you want to call it, provides you with all the skills to be able to go and retrain and do do whatever you want. And that's what we tell uh, tell our kids day in, day out. You can be whoever you want to be, you know, forget those glass ceilings. Uh, and really go and make your way in the world. Uh, we want to give them the skills. And now when you look at uh, what skills kids need and what adults need going forward, uh, are those real you know, soft skills, uh, whether it's emotional intelligence, intellectual dexterity, uh, and allowing them to, to make those decisions. But I think going forward, looking at what education is now, I think those skills are, are really, really key because you, those transferable skills, whether they're technological skills, uh, whether you do have to retrain to look at what AI has to offer or VR, I think, you know, there's a whole host of possibilities. Yes, in the past, you would go down the career path and you'd end up doing that for 25, 30 years. But now kids have a portfolio of careers where they've really tried a whole host of different types of uh, uh, skills and careers and opportunities. And I think that's what I've hopefully done in my career, where I've worked in a variety of schools, which has a variety of experiences. And um, I can then bring those experiences and knowledge to make even better outcomes for the students in my care. Oh, Fan, you strike me, if you don't mind me saying it, as someone that's, that is genuinely quite innovative in the world of um, independent schools. And, and, and when I say that, I, d I don't mean that you take all traditions and throw them out, but it's almost like, I, I, I get the impression, tell me if I'm wrong, but I get the impression that you look at what's currently being done, you don't necessarily throw it out, but you do look at it to decide whether or not that's still the right way of doing things and maybe explore new ways of doing things. Very much so. And I think we always have to do that. Change is good. Change keeps us on our toes. Change keeps us fresh. Change gives us purpose. Uh, and I think if we just continue doing what we are, what we're doing, then, you know, I might have to hand the keys back because I become irrelevant. I need to make sure that my school remains at the cutting edge of what it's doing, whether that be well-being, pastoral care, boarding, academics. And uh, yes, we, we, we've seen what um, uh, Bedells and Latimer Upper are doing with regards to GCSEs. And we've been doing something very similar. We have introduced into our year 10 curriculum uh, what is traditionally called Key Stage 4. We've now called it Key Stage More. Uh, yes, we offer the 
English and math, et cetera, which is um, you know compulsory and mandatory and what we have to do. But we offer a whole suite of uh, options now. It's not a one size fits all, but we ensure that the kids can choose things which will interest them going into the future. So we offer esports, uh, we offer business entrepreneurship, we look at NFTs and cryptocurrency. Simon, I don't know what NFTs are, but these kids know exactly what they are. This is how they're going to be learning. Uh, and those are the sort of things that I need to equip my kids going forward with those skills so that they can make an impact in society and, and drive it forward. Having those opportunities here, you know, I've got to thank my governors. The governors have really believed in what we as a team want to achieve here and how we want to adapt and be agile within the education sector. And then working alongside uh, colleagues uh, such as Tom Rogerson down at Cottesmore and the work that he's doing in, in terms of AI, Chris Goodall, Dan Fitzpatrick, uh, Anthony Selsden. You know, there's a real evolution going on here now in, in regard how AI uh, is now going to have a, a huge impact uh, on our education. And so, yes, it is working with um, what we have in school, but also making sure that I am connected, if you like, uh, with, with, with what is going on outside of school. Because if we continue to remain insular, uh, we're not going to make uh, an impact. And we need to be working together. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but we do need to be working together to see how we can change the educational landscape. Because... I believe GCSEs have had their day. They've been around for some 35 odd years. Uh, they're older than you, Simon. And it's, um, it's, we need to look at something different now. Um, generation Alpha now, uh, who were born back in 2010, uh, are the first generation to be born in the 21st century. And there's that sense of digital literacy uh, that we need to encapsulate to ensure that they have the right skills going forward. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I'm chuckling a bit the idea of, of, of GCSEs being older than me. That's that's certainly not the case, but you're very kind <laughs> to say that, Irfan. Let's take it out of school for a second. Tell me something you enjoy doing at the weekend or in the evenings when you're not in school. Great question. Well, it's a boarding school. So, um, you know, I'm on call most nights to ensure that, um, you know, everything is, is safe, etc. But I have a great team here who then allow me to go and do the sort of things I want to do uh, with the family. Um, I, I I like running. Well, I just taken up running. I ran uh, the London Marathon this year. Uh, I trained for that. And uh, I do now like running. I hated running, Simon. Absolutely despised it. Uh, but now I put on those training shoes and uh, and off I go in the mornings, uh, do a couple of K in the mornings. And uh, I really enjoy that, uh, keeping fit, going swimming. And I also, you know, I've enjoyed trekking as well. Um, I went to Everest Base Camp with Bedford School and that was uh, that was fantastic and what an experience uh, and I just like doing those sort of things now diving trekking camping uh, the real outdoorsy stuff especially living in London you want to get out from time to time and so this summer with the family we went water canyoning new to me uh, but that was really really good good fun jumping off cliffs and um, you know swimming along rivers and underpasses etc the bursa would have had a nightmare with regards to risk assessments uh, there were no risk assessments in place but uh, it was really really good fun and the family enjoyed it as well really good for the family to get together and do some of that sort of real crazy outdoor stuff which uh, which i like doing i took up ballroom dancing as well uh, last year and we entered the uh, strictly come dancing for heads uh, which was organized by uh, faith hegarty at uh, morehouse school and my partner was julie robinson uh, who's the CEO of the uh, of the ISC, and that was again out of my comfort zone. But I really, really enjoyed uh, dancing with her and learning new moves, etc. I mean, I'm the I'm the greatest dad dancer that is out there. 
but refining those those skills on the dance floor when we did the uh, the waltz and the rumba and things like that was was fantastic so um yeah things like that i just always want to make sure that i'm challenging myself and that's my sort of mantra with uh, with the kids here at school it's uh, you know to do something different that's, don't stay in your comfort zone because only if you come out of your comfort zone will you grow as a person and develop and i think that's the sort of culture and ethos that we have here. I, I love that way that you stay active. I mean, it's it's a great way. I'm not suggesting that you're getting older, but but it's a great way for for all of us to 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 to, to age in in the right kind of way, so that we stay active, so that we stay younger for longer, so that our bodies can serve us as we move into our into our later years. Gosh, this is making me sound like you're 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 much older than you are, but clearly you're not. Uh, for the people that are listening to this right now, um, Irfan is definitely not an old person. Tell me something about running though, because. You're right to say that sometimes running can be just a painful thing to do and not enjoyable at all. You've made that transition into actually enjoying that. How did you do that? Do you know what I was? I was sat on the sofa uh, as you do, in, and um, it came up on my on my Facebook feed. Have a uh, lottery for the um, London Marathon. I thought, okay, I'll, I'll try this, see what happens. And yeah, as, as time went by, I didn't get it. Uh, but I was offered a place by Macmillan Cancer Support, and Macmillan Cancer Support is a charity very close to my heart ages ago i ran a, a half marathon uh, because uh mcmillan douglas mcmillan was an old boy at my previous school uh, at sexies he was an old boy there uh, and so you know everything started there so i just thought this would be a great opportunity to really work closely with mcmillan cancer and see how we can uh, raise important funds for them and they they do a fantastic job so when i came here and i got the charity place to run for them i just thought you know what i can't let them down so I needed to get off that sofa and really, you know, tie those shoelaces and decide, right, I need to get out there and start running. And so I started, I hated it. I really, really hated it. And just thought, why, why have I put myself in this position? I've got 4 million things to do at school. We've got the family, all of this. And uh, how are you going to find the time to train? Uh, but thankfully, you know, support my wife and the family and people here at school. I, I managed to, to, to find time. Uh, I would run home from school i'd run into school obviously i had to leave much earlier and that was coming in from sort of hammersmith shepherd's bush area um so that started building up my my resistance if you like uh, and it was really character building really character building what i did hate and that was my excuse i didn't run when i uh, when it was raining just in case i slipped i twisted my knee or something like that and lo and behold what happened on the morning of the marathon torrential downpour it rained throughout the whole of that marathon and running in wet socks wet trainers not great so that just added another level of complexity and how do i go about covering this 26 kilometers in soggy trainers um but you know the atmosphere of the london marathon is something that you you know if you could bottle up you would make millions it's just incredible you know the watchers the people on the on the sidelines uh, the audience the people they just spur you on and they give you that extra boost if you like and uh, it was an incredible experience will i do it again watch this space <laughs> well people often say that the spectators on the route are, are a real source of energy for people that are running the marathon how did it feel when you crossed the line at the end when i ran around uh, the embankment you could see school so i had the whole of the school all the boarding people and the the staff and the students were all out there and, and my family were out there as well which was great and that really spurred me on so the last sort of couple of miles, if you like, uh, running up to towards Buckingham Palace. Um, but yeah, crossing that um, that line, that finishing line was just a sense of achievement. You know, I, I never thought in my 
wildest dreams I would ever put myself in a position of uh, of running the marathon. And honestly, Simon, if I can do it, someone who hates running, anyone can do it. And you know, I did suffer any um, you know broken bones or twisted knees or anything like that. And I was at, I was in work the next day. Yes, I couldn't move. Uh, I needed crutches or zipper frame or whatever, uh, but I made it into briefing on Monday morning and um, yeah, it's great. And staff were fantastic here, but it just goes to show, you know, if you put your mind to it, you can achieve anything. Oh, I love that. Absolutely love that. Uh, anyone watching Back to the Future, that's a line that Marty McFly says as well, actually, um, which, is, which is really good. Erfan, now some of the people who are listening to this work in marketing in independent schools. What suggestions would you have for them in order for them to further their careers in their schools? Right. I would suggest that they, you know, they, they're obviously fantastic at their role in, in terms of what they're doing. But it's now looking at how things like AI can help them with regards to their, their marketing and looking at uh, things like ChatGPT to generate content, looking at Canva, looking at Gamma. I think those are sort of areas now which will make life for them much easier in terms of creating that content which means they now have time to go out to schools uh, and really press the flesh and talk to the uh, talk to people about what their um, you know what their school is all about uh, and now we've got conference season and the, and the show season as well now working in collaboration with the uh, independent school show and david wellesley and tilly davis who are fantastic uh, at what they do you know they they're a great source of uh, inspiration. Uh, and people at Amkis as well, they are they work really, really hard in order to make sure that, uh, you know, they have the right sort of um, uh, marketing attributes uh, that these uh, marketing people need within schools. So I'd continue to carry on learning, uh, adopt new technologies to, to make life easier and really get out there and make a name for yourself, whether that be on social media, whether that be face to face. Because, you know, we've seen how that has grown and how social media is just so important in education in terms of marketing. You know, at one stage, we all said, oh, we're not going to go down the TikTok route, but I'm afraid we're going to have to, uh, because that's where our customers are. When I talk about customers and clients, that's where the kids are. And if they see there's a thriving uh, activity on those particular channels, that's something that's going to be, that they're going to be drawn to. So I think we just need to embrace uh, technology and really run with it. Maybe I found we're going to be seeing some of your dancing on TikTok in that case. Uh, I'm keeping an eye on time. We're going to bring this to a close in a second. But very last question. What was the last good book or the last good film that you either read or saw? The last film we saw was Haunting in Venice. Uh, we went to a special preview of that and that was fantastic. Kenneth Branagh uh, as Hercule Poirot uh, and I love a good murder mystery. He was excellent, and uh, I mean, I'm not going to give a game away or anything, but go and watch it. It was really, really good. I was really impressed with it. And on holiday, we went out to uh, to the Andalusian mountains over the summer. Uh, and over the holidays, I read quite aptly uh, Prisoners of Geography by Tim Marshall. I, I do like my nonfiction, uh, and I was just captivated by how geography, history, and politics, the intersection of that in terms of the, the mountains, the seas, and the deserts, have created the societies that we now live in and how those geographical structures have caused geopolitical issues to occur, whether they're, you know, separation by sea, separation by mountain ranges. And that was really, really interesting. India, Pakistan, Russia, China. Yeah, I was really, um, really taken aback and, and, you know, gave me a greater understanding of, of that. So, yeah, definitely Tim Marshall's Prisoner's Geography. Isn't it? His next one now, Power of Geography, is something I'm going to really dive into. 
Awesome. Genuinely going to check that one out myself. Like you, I prefer reading nonfiction to fiction. So uh, something like that is right up my street. It really is. Erfan, I'm going to release you uh, into the weekend for whatever you've got planned <laughs> to do. But I just want to say thank you so much for your time. It's been really good talking to you here today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Simon. And uh, I wish everyone here a fantastic weekend. Thank you very much. So that was Erfan Latif, principal of DLD College in London. There's a link to his LinkedIn profile in the show notes for this episode, so do connect with him. But Erfan, a real pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you for being a guest on the show. Now, if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, then do please drop me a message. I'm Simon at thebonjouragency.com. We make podcasts for school marketing to help connect you with your school community to drive up new inquiries from prospective parents. To find out more, check out the website, thebonjouragency.com, or just give me a call. I'm on 020 7858 2246. But in the meantime, the next episode is coming out soon, so click that option to follow or subscribe, and that means you won't miss it. But we'll see you next time. Bye for now.